Welcome everyone to the She Can Fix It podcast. My name is Dr. Alana Munger. This month, we have a great episode with Dr. Camila de Matos. Dr. De Matos has practiced medicine in Brazil, the United States, and now Sweden. She was the founding member and the first president of an organization called AMOB, which is the Organization of Female Orthopedic Surgeons in Brazil. Dr. De Matos was also the founding member of Women in Orthopedics Worldwide. I was truly inspired when speaking with Dr. De Matos about her career as well as her advocacy work. It is truly my pleasure to share with you this episode of the She Can Fix It podcast with Dr. Camila De Matos. Dr. Camila De Matos, thank you so much for joining us on the She Can Fix It podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and I'm very, very excited for our conversation. Thank you, Alana. This is uh, this is an honor to be in a podcast with uh, uh, so many uh, amazing women that have been here. I'm, I'm little uh, with an imposter syndrome, a little bit like, <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> but uh, thank you, thank you so much for having me. I'm a longtime fan. Oh, thank you so much for listening. Well, I would, you have such an interesting backstory. And so I would love in your own words for you just to kind of describe your background, hometown, medical school, residency, fellowship, and your post fellowship years. Yeah, it's a little long, (laughs) but um, so I am originally from Brazil. Uh, I did my medical school in Niterói, which is a city right by Rio. Uh, So you just just take a bridge and you're in Rio. Uh, I lived in Rio and went to medical school there. Uh, So it's a public medical school, very good. Um, At the end of medical school, not at the beginning, I started to think a little bit of doing something abroad. Um, Maybe residency. um, uh, And I already knew that I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I started to to do the process for ECFMG. Uh, so I took a step one, like in uh, medical school in Brazil, it's five, six years. So in my oh, wow. fifth, uh, so yeah, so you have your internship together with, uh, with medical school. So mm. in the beginning of my internship year, I decided to take step one. Um, so I, I did that. And then I started to look for a place to do uh, subis or internships. I didn't know a lot uh, of the process of becoming, um, of doing residency in the US, but mm-hmm. I got a spot at Hopkins uh, for a subi uh, and it was nice. awesome. So I spent five weeks with uh, Dr. Sponsor. Um, with uh, Pete's ortho uh, at Hopkins. And uh, and then when I came back, I decided that I wanted to finish the, the ECFMG process and uh, see if I was, um, if I could uh, go into residency in the US. And um, I did that. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work, but because I really didn't know how the process was mm-hmm. actually um, how you needed to do how many, like as a, as an IMG, how many 
uh, internships or subis you needed to do and the letters and such. There was a, a whole process and a whole world that I didn't know about it. Uh, but I studied hard in, uh, in Brazil at the same time, uh, parallel to, to this, uh, to, to get into residency. And uh, my number one choice was uh, the National Institutes uh, for Orthopedics in Rio. Um, and I got there, uh, and it was great. So I did my residency there. It's a very big hospital, um, basically just orthopedics, a little bit of plastics and a little bit of uh, thoracic surgery as well. Um, but mainly orthopedics and all, all specialties and, uh, it was really good. Uh, so at the end of residency, I already had my ECFMG. So I decided to go to the U.S. to do fellowships. Mm -hmm. So my first fellowship was at uh, CHOP, uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And I did a research fellowship there, uh, mainly with uh, Dr. Dormans and um, doing a, a PEDS, uh, PEDS uh, and a, a little bit of ONC uh, PEDS, uh, what, right. tumors and, yeah, and pediatrics. But that was a research fellowship. So after that, I went to Shriners in Portland and I did my clinical fellowship in pediatrics. And after that, I did my um, fellowship in orthopedic oncology at Washington Hospital Center in, uh, in DC, mm -hmm. um, Georgetown. Um, mm -hmm. And then I came back to Brazil. And then uh, in Brazil, I worked as a pediatric uh, orthopedic a surgeon and also as a orthopedic oncology surgeon. But I was not very happy in Brazil uh, with uh, how society works and how work works in Brazil. And uh, my husband and I, we, we, we thought a lot of uh, moving. And mm -hmm. then long story short, I, uh, I did the whole process of uh, learning Swedish and coming to Sweden, <laughs> where we live uh, since uh, December 2018. And now I work at the um, uh, orthopedic oncology department at the University of Lund um, here in South Sweden. Long story I, I, short. <laughs> long story short. <laughs> I love how you, it's the process of just, you know, just learning Swedish, just the, the tiny, tiny, tiny little process of learning a whole new language. It only took me three years. Oh my word. That's incredible. Um, I would love to kind of delve into what inspired you to pursue just orthopedic surgery in general. You kind of, you say that, you know, you knew you wanted to do ortho, but what, what was the story behind that? So my aunt, she's an anesthesiologist and mm -hmm. uh, she's, uh, she works, uh, she, she's almost retired, but she worked, uh, uh, she still works a little bit, but she works with uh, an orthopedic surgeon, a hip surgeon. Mm -hmm. And so she, since I was like at the end of high school, she took me to see surgeries and, mm -hmm. but she was like in, <laughs> she thought that I was maybe, uh, going to be a, an anesthesiologist uh, but every time they started to to do the surgeries i was like wow this is this is what i wanted to do what i want to do um i i really had i like to work with my hands since i was a kid like uh, my my uh, grandpa 
taught me like a little bit of carpentry and I did a little bit of sculpture when I was a kid, but I was, I had no, no talent whatsoever to be an artist. Um, but I'm good at copying things <laughs> with my hands. So, so, uh, orthopedic surgery suits me well. Um, so I decided really early, um, that I liked ortho during mm-hmm. medical school. I had a very, very sh- brief time that I thought thoracic surgery was really cool because mm-hmm. you, know, you crack your chest and you see your heartbeat, but, um, but then I decided it wasn't for me. So I decided to stick with ortho. Nice. Nice. And then you, now you're an orthopedic oncologist. Mm-hmm. And so what was, um, the aspects of orthopedic oncology that, you find are, you know, you're most passionate about, or why did you want to subspecialize in orthopedic oncology? So, so both orthopedic oncology and, and peds, um, what I like about those, they are multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you can operate and you have, uh, uh problems, uh, that you need to solve in the whole body. You have, uh, uh you have rare syndromes and diagnoses that you need to really, it's not like we have a fracture, you need to fix it. Sometimes it's that and it's great, but I also like the whole process of figuring out what it is and to working with the team and uh, creating like uh, different solutions for different types of, um, of problems or tumors or discussing flaps with the plastic surgeon and learning new techniques while you operate with uh, other people. So I think both uh, orthopedic oncology and, and peds ortho gives you the opportunity of doing that. So, yeah, it's kind of like, I'm a nerd. I really like to study. (laughs) So, yeah. That's awesome. And I meant, you know, you know, you mentioned in your backstory that, you know, you've practiced medicine in Brazil, the U.S., and now in Sweden, which is yeah. just so insane and so many <laughs> stories you must have. But I was hoping, and you know, you kind of mentioned that there were some challenges when you were practicing and transitioning in each of these different countries. And so I was hoping you can kind of talk about what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were practicing medicine in Brazil versus the United States versus Sweden? So it's, so it's different. It's a lot of different things, of course, different types of healthcare and different types Mm -hmm. of healthcare within one country. So in Brazil, you have a public system and a private system. Right. But the private system is not as the private system as it is in the U.S. And it's not the mm. private system in Sweden. They also have a private system, but it's a very, very tiny. And it's also like the private system as a private doctor, you can get paid by the government, which is crazy for me. But right. Still, yeah. Um, so in Brazil, the public system, you have islands of uh, very, very good hospitals like tertiary mm-hmm. hospitals, like the, the hospital where I did my residency or the hospital that I was lucky to work uh, as a pediatric uh, orthopedic uh, and, and pediatric orthopedic oncologist. Uh, um, 
after I, I, I came back to, to Brazil after my fellowships. But, but then those are islands and you cannot just work on those hospitals. You have to work in multiple hospitals, in multiple settings, in private settings. Mm. And I, I am the type of person that really don't like to uh, blend money with healthcare. And in right. Brazil, you have to do that if you are willing to work in a private system, whether you're going to be affiliated with um, with uh, some type of health insurance, and then you get paid from the health insurance, um, whether you're going to be full private, and then you receive money directly from the patients. Uh, that's really not really what I liked. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how the system works, and it can work very well to to some type of, uh, types of people, but really not for me. I I had a little bit of trouble with the um, with the ethics uh, of how much you as a completely. I didn't like health uh, the, the the health insurances, so I had trouble thinking like how much are you going to. Are you going to to say this surgery costs versus this surgery? You can decide it yourself because it's not oh, a wow. lot of things that are regulated. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the health insurances, they are not always the most. Um, uh, they pay you well or they pay you very little. And then you have to do a lot of coding uh, mm -hmm. that I don't know. It wasn't really for me. Um, right. And how brazil works also it's a it's a very good country but uh, it has a lot of problems mm -hmm. so uh, the, in the us it's a very good but um it also a, t a question of uh, quality of life mm -hmm. uh you work a lot in the us and mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and there's a whole culture of uh, working a lot is a very good thing Right. And, and, but work also becomes your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's not always the culture in other places in the world. Here in Sweden, um, you work very, uh, the work is very intense uh, mm -hmm. when you work, uh, of course, but you have a very, very good system that you have a salary. It doesn't matter how many surgeries you do. Uh, of course, you try to do as much as you can because of, of the patients and uh, they have uh, a whole system that you have uh, um, the, the patients have they, they have rights, uh, how many how much time they can wait for a surgery or right. um, sometimes of uh, like guarantees um, within the system. But you have a salary um, and you have five weeks of vacations in the summer. Um, you have extra, wow. yeah. And I, I, I I'm enjoy still that I'm, personally. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still, like, it's still crazy for me because I'm not used to that much time off. Because also in Brazil, you have like two weeks in most places, like a month mm -hmm. or maybe. But still, you have to do a lot of things to to really be off. And in here is like you go home, you go home, and work is work and home is home so right. it's it works uh, really well of course it has its problems uh, all places have different problems and on how it works but I, I i i for me it works really well 
it suits me as a person uh, being here. Nice. Very cool. It's such a unique story. And, and I know that you must have so many, so many advice and sage <laughs> words uh, for the process that you went through. And I was wondering, you know, what are the things that you wish you knew? Or what are the things that you would like to tell your younger self as you're kind of going through this process of practicing medicine in each of these different countries and even just like the logistics of it all? Well, um, I never thought about what would I like to change because, I mean, every everything you go through, you kind of learn something, um, mm -hmm. even with the negative things. And, uh, and uh, uh, I don't know if I would change anything, but because... Uh, so many things happen. Uh, so many things happens at the at the same time. So at the time that I was studying Swedish, and I was not really sure if I was going to be able to come here or to pass the test for the, you need to be proficient at a level. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe if I would study a little bit harder to go a little bit quicker, <laughs> but still. I wouldn't have the experience that I had working those uh, those uh, four years in Brazil that actually gave me a, a lot of uh, it, it. It's a very good place as well to to work and to learn a lot mm -hmm. of things. Um, so it's hard for me to say that I would change something because then right. it wouldn't be the same. And I'm I'm quite happy with the results. So even with the challenges and and. Um, uh, problems sometimes you you have and uh, and uh, and the no's that you get as well it's not always right. yes <laughs> true true um one of the interesting aspects of your story is that um you are the founding member and were the first president of an organization called amob which i know it must be portuguese but it's i believe mm -hmm. it's the organization of female orthopedic surgeons in brazil and so I was hoping you can tell our listeners why you believed this organization needed to be formed and literally what it took to create this organization. So while I was um, in the U.S., um, one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Ellen Rainey, uh, she was uh, one of the past presidents for uh, Ruth Jackson Orthopedic okay. Society. Uh, and she worked at, at Triners in Portland. I already knew about uh, Ruth Jackson, but she was like, do you want to be a member? I can help you with that. I was like, oh my God, yes. And I was so happy when I got my my uh, guide to to your career from the Ruth Jackson mm -hmm. and I read it. Um, and I thought about, uh, I never had that kind of uh, support uh, in, in Brazil. Um, we you can see like all the the problems and difficulties that you you face as a female and looking back a lot of the things i wasn't really mature and i didn't quite understand what i went through uh but then understanding as i understand right now um a lot of things that i i would have done differently maybe at that mm -hmm. time uh but then when i came back to in brazil and i came back as an attendee I, I work at hospitals that had uh, residents and uh, female residents. So what I did, I tried to first to, to create um, 
groups uh, at the, those hospitals. And I presented myself to all the female residents. And I said, you know, I am here for you. Um, you know, you can have, uh, you can encounter difficult situations. And I want to create a, like a group that mm-hmm. you can come to me for advice or for mentorship. Because uh, mentorship is not something that is... Um, the word mentor, there is this this uh, this uh, word in Portuguese, but they don't use as much. You 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 don't the the culture of a mentorship is not very very common in Brazil. You have mm-hmm. someone that usually you follow, but it's not it it doesn't have this uh, this word this uh, this meaning. But then this, uh, try to create this uh, culture of mentorship first within those residents. And then I said, uh, in Brazil, it's very popular, the WhatsApp uh, messaging app. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So everybody has it. It's a blessing and a curse because they have this for work. And it's oh, like, wow. it's 11 o'clock and uh, people will text you and they <sighs> hope that you answer. Um, mm-hmm. Also for patients, they get your number and they, they text you. Uh, so that's one of the differences between here in Sweden right, and right. here. Uh, but then, so I created this group uh, first with the residents and then I started to do with within the state of Rio, uh, within the city of Rio and, and the state. Uh, uh, Rio is like 7 million people. Okay. Uh, so we created this group in 2018. Um, with the the whole premises uh, like similar to Ruth Jackson try to have a safe space safe space to for women to come and uh, talk about problems at work if they wanted help getting something done uh, like administrative or or just to have support mm-hmm. or and also to encourage um, research and networking something that sometimes uh, they missed uh, for being females. So we did that in in Rio and it worked well with the residents. But then when when we created the group, it wasn't really um, we added a lot of people, maybe 60 women, uh, but then it was quiet. Um, we tried to do some more things, but I, I was focused in 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 learning Swedish and move. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, the pandemic came and oh. I had my five weeks uh, summer vacation, staycation. And the, the Rio group started a discussion on um, female orthopedic surgeon within uh, sports teams in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the group was once again, uh, very, um, we had a lot of discussions trying to, oh, but we have so-and-so, some uh, some there. I was like, man, uh, I had a lot of residents that are not now, n- they're not in Rio right now. They're like in different uh, different places in, in Brazil. We can create like a, a Brazilian group. Mm. And then I did the group and within one day we have 257 people, which is the max you can wow. get in a group. And I was like, this is it. This is the momentum uh, that we were waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we need to make this official. Um, I, I started to organize and say, we are going to make a meeting. 
and we're going to create an association because this is this is a time because it wasn't just um i think we had this was something that was collectively needed it wasn't just my idea i think everybody has uh, in brazil a lot of a lot of women have thought maybe we could have something like that we can have an association but now we had the momentum mm -hmm. to to create it so we did this uh we did uh, a meeting we um i tried to organize and see uh who wanted to we did uh, different types of uh, board members or and right. uh, uh and, and roles and uh, people could uh, um, be candidates uh, for everybody that was in the meeting to vote. Mm -hmm. And and then the association was created. Mm. So in a nutshell, that was it. And now, so uh, we say a mob in Brazil, it looks like a mob, <laughs> but, oh it's, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it, it's not, it's, it doesn't have that meaning in Portuguese, <laughs> but um, so, but it's, it's, it, so we have, we have not only, uh, just like Ruth Jackson, we don't have only orthopedic surgeons, we have residents, we have fellows, mm -hmm. and we have medical students as well. Mm -hmm. And oh, so we, right now we have 710 women wow. that are registered with us. So it's, it's really big. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, first of all, congratulations on creating this Thank organization. You. That seems like it was just something that, you know, needed to happen. And it's great that everybody has this resource. And I was hoping you can just kind of touch on some of the things that you guys have been able to accomplish since you were able to form this organization. I know now you're in Sweden and so you might not be as involved, but I was hoping you can just kind of touch on what you guys were able to do. So that that's a... I think the if there's a one good thing about this pen, uh, horrible pandemic is the the um, the ability for us to to communicate and to organize via the uh, internet mm -hmm. is much much better. So even though I'm here in Sweden, uh, I am able to still help and do a lot with That's them. Fantastic. Yeah. So we. So we did several things. So first, uh, we we are in uh, at at this point we're independent uh, in relationship to our national uh, orthopedic society, mm -hmm. which is um, something that is interesting, but uh, also help us in, in the way that we can have medical students. If we were um, attached to the society, usually they don't have medical students. But one of our missions is to try to engage with medical students and show orthopedic uh, surgery to them. Mm -hmm. uh, we started a mentorship program uh, to both uh, have uh, a female uh, medical students uh, as interns in, in some places and also to, to, um, to match them with uh, one female orthopedic surgeon. So like in uh, north uh, east of brazil one of the states only have like three uh female orthopedic surgeons but we were able to um to match some uh, medical students to to that women and show mm. that you know um a lot of them ne never saw um it's the first time that they see a female orthopedic surgeon so that's a, that's a really good thing um we're being very transparent uh, with the, the numbers in orthopedic surgery in Brazil. Uh, 
right now we are in the in the national societies at 5.5 percent um mm. but we have we have a very um all for all the subspecialties we have uh we have a society as well so uh our pediatric orthopedic society um they have 20 percent of women uh but the hip uh, joints he, in, in brazil it's uh, separate from hips and knees so the hip society uh only have three women uh it's a 0.41 percent so oh my gosh we're showing numbers that uh people did not um show before uh mm. we are trying um we're really creating this uh, this um, mentorship culture, uh, networking culture with the groups, and also um, showing women that were completely alone in their states um, and uh, trying to uh, network them. We are also we did a very big effort uh, collectively to try to find who were our pioneers. Um, because in when we created 2020, we didn't know who was uh, the uh, first uh, female orthopedic surgeon in Brazil, mm-hmm. and uh, and it took a lot of uh, talking with a lot of people and asking because it wasn't you don't you don't need to be board certified to be an orthopedic sur- surgeon in Brazil. So the, our mm-hmm. first one, uh, she was a board certified later in life but then we we found out that she did her residency in italy and she was amazing her name was uh, stella hosenbaugh and uh, she was uh, she helped to found uh, the the foot and ankle society she was mm-hmm. um director uh, like um one a board member for the um, um uh, reconstruction uh, external fixation uh, type of uh, society and she did this very quietly. She never took like pride in saying, I was the first one I did this. And now we, right. we are able, unfortunately she, 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 she had passed away, but uh, we, we were able to honor her name and, and to show uh, what an excellent example and, and, and pioneer she was. So we're trying to do that with all the, the uh, we have more than 20 states in Brazil. So we're trying to get who was the first one in each state and yeah. try to honor them. And some are really like new, 2002 or something like that. So it's still, it's still a process, but we're trying to do in a very positive manner and also, but at the same time, we are open and we get um, women that had been, that had problems that need to have some type of uh, support um, because of uh, harassment and uh, bullying and that type of thing as well. But it's still a working process. Unfortunately, our days are only 24 hours (laughs) and uh, there are so many uh, cool things and uh, and interesting things but it's it, it's been uh, very very positive yeah that's fantastic and honestly congratulations on everything that you were doing with that organization and what's amazing is that after that you are also the founding member of women in orthopedics worldwide and you guys just had the first international symposium for women in orthopedics worldwide in partnership with the Academy. And so um, for our listeners, I was hoping you could describe what 
women in orthopedics worldwide is and the story of how slash why it was founded. Yeah, so the story kinds of kinds of uh, explained a little bit why WOW exists. So, um, so after founding um, a mob, uh, I I I talked to I sent an email to Ruth Jackson uh, to I didn't mm-hmm. know that Don was was the president at the time. Uh, and also, I have uh, touched base uh, earlier with uh, Christy Weber, that was always super helpful and uh, very positive. But then I wanted to I wanted to talk to the the current president and say, you guys are an amazing inspiration, and uh, and uh, we we did this in Brazil because of you guys because you guys exist. So. Right. I, I sent an email to Dawn and Dawn was also, she was, she's the best. And she, she sent me an email back and she was like, Oh, do you want to meet? Do you want to have a, um, uh, can we do like a zoom call so we can, we can have a, a meeting and a conversation. I was like, of course, this is like great for me. So we started to do that. And Dawn, she, she's amazing. She, she, she was super open and, um, at the same time that a mob was created, we started to do a lot of things on uh, on social media, and mm-hmm. especially in Brazil, it's more uh, Instagram than Twitter. Um, I don't know why, but uh, some countries the, the it's a little bit different which type right. of uh, social media uh, the country usually uses more. Uh, but in Brazil, Instagram is very big, so and. When uh, when we started a mob, we started to see that there was uh, already a lot of uh, women in ortho societies in in Latin America, and I didn't know that. I I honestly I never knew that uh, what there was um uh, 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 ortho women in Mexico and uh, mm-hmm. chapters in Colombia, and so Dawn was super receptive when I talked to her, and then I had this crazy idea of uh, what we could do like a symposium on women in orthopedics and try to talk with all the women in ortho societies. And then Dawn was like, this is an amazing idea. We should, we should definitely do that. And then we started to network um, and ask for people, do you know any other women in ortho societies? Who do you know in your country? Even if you don't have one, do you know, you know, we're trying to, to gather as many women in different countries as we could. Um, and then we talked to Jennifer Green, who was the founder of the uh, uh, IOTA International Orthopedic Diversity Alliance. And she was very helpful with, uh, with the names and contacts, in, especially in Asia and in the Pacific mm-hmm. region. So we gather, um, it was... Uh, I did a Google form to to see who were those women, what types of organizations they had, and try to see if we could found a common uh, date and time that it would right. work for multiple places in the world. Uh, and then we had our first meeting in March, and it was amazing. We had women mm-hmm. from over forty countries. Wow. And uh, we discovered so many women in ortho societies. And then in the meeting, uh, we decided that this was a group uh, and mm-hmm. not just a symposium. So 
WOW is, uh, is this group that have leaders in uh, women in ortho societies or in countries that don't have a society, but they have women that are engaged in, in trying to improve um, diversity and, and women in ortho in their countries. So we decided to do that and, uh, and it has been working really well. It's a lot of work, but it's right. <laughs> it's been really, really great. Oh, that's fantastic. And I was hoping, you know, you've had the opportunity to speak to so many surgeons literally across the globe. Um, and I was wondering if you had noticed any common stories or common themes um, in your discussions with them as life as a female orthopedic surgeon. Well, um, so... I, I did uh, well, what I tried to did is um, what I tried to do is uh, I tried to send um, it, of course it's anecdotal because you're right. you're asking you're asking uh, we're very diverse uh, even within women <laughs> we're not the same <laughs> right. although a lot of people think uh, think of that um, think like that but um, so I tried to send a uh, a question in what is the most pressing issue for women in ortho in your country and uh, what would you like to do about it mm. and a lot of uh, a lot of problems and a lot, a lot of situations they um they repeat themselves in different countries but uh you notice also that um some countries uh they have uh they have had this problem and now, now this problem is maybe not as as relevant as it was in the past so and like different levels of of problems for being in the women in orthopedics mm. so of course a lot of latin countries and a lot of uh, uh asian countries they still have a lot of problem with uh, sexism like open right. harassment and uh just like being a woman is not a place for you and people are very open about that like you mm -hmm. or a woman you're not able to do hip surgery right. um you are not strong enough um a lot of people uh commented on the queen bee syndrome um you know the queen bee as you the token women as well um mm. i think they're they, they kind of they're, they're, they're like the same thing, but uh, a lot of women talked about women that are not supportive of other women in orthopedics. Gotcha. So you have a token women that um, uh, this department say, look, we have a woman. And for this woman, it works really well because she's wanted because mm -hmm. we already have this diverse now place because we have one woman. And so it works really well, but not if you have another one, then it's a problem. And then maybe this first one is not very happy because she's not special anymore. And right. that's the problem if you don't have uh, a diverse uh, uh, place. Uh, pay gap is also a problem, uh, mm. even in, in different countries. Uh, time to be to become a professor time to become uh, a time to that it takes for a man or a woman to achieve like the the highest uh, uh, degree that you can in your country because it, it's different types of degrees and different types of um, titles in different countries but uh, this is something that is still 
even like uh, Norway, they they didn't had a lot of uh, problems or Finland, but still they they mentioned that um, mm-hmm. women in boards, uh, number of women in boards. So a lot of people, a lot of problems that we already know, but it's uh, what is more prevalent in some types of uh, of countries. Uh, it's not maybe not in other ones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but no, they they. They usually they they repeat themselves, right? No, that's so interesting. And and as a group, as as you're learning about all of these problems and the similarities of these problems, what are like the you know quote unquote action items that the women in orthopedics worldwide is coming up with? Because I think something that I've encountered you know in doing research about women in orthopedics and all these sorts of things is that research is great to be able to highlight what the problems are and it's that next step of figuring out this is what we actually need to do to fix it and so I was wondering you know with all of these surgeons coming together with your symposium what were if any of the action items that you guys were able to implement well I think uh, that's a that's a, a great thing that you said because um, culture is going to change mm-hmm. um, our problems and uh, culture is uh, very specific to a country and, uh, and, uh, and to a society. So what we can do is try to, um, how do you say, expedite, it, uh, make it quicker in those, right. in, in those countries. And I think what we're doing uh, with WOW is we're trying to uh, first, uh, number one, is to incentive those countries that, that don't have a women in ortho uh, society to create one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while we started the group, uh, there's uh, already like at least uh, two other countries that organized themselves. Italy started to organize, uh, Brunei started to organize. Yeah. And uh, so when you have that and you highlight that a lot of people start to realize that this is serious um so organizing it's always good because we 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 do have strength in numbers we were never going to be able to do this uh um big symposium at the aos if we were not look we are 40 countries look at that And I was probably not going to be able to get our, all our numbers uh, as quickly as we did because I mentioned that we were going to do that with the American Academy. So mm-hmm. this is a great, this is a big thing. And when you do that, people realize, oh, uh, maybe it's good to give them space. And actually, this is a real problem that we can help address. So I think... Um, we of course with uh, with uh, research we highlight the problems and we show the problems and sometimes uh, people read that and it's like what am i going to do um mm-hmm. what when also uh, another very positive things that we uh, think we were able to to do with uh, wow was uh, the 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 editorial that seth uh, leopold at core yes. has written and this beautiful. is not directly to, directed to us. This is directed to the men uh, and maybe the people that are responsible to uh, improve diversity and uh, improve uh, the the um, the work environment. And they have they can do those actions, but um, 
it takes a little bit of effort. And it was interesting with this uh, article that in Brazil, they share those articles to the women. It was like, look at that. Have you seen that? It's like, you need to share this with other people. We know that. Um, but thank you if you share with your male colleagues as well. Um, so that was very positive. But I think like the most important thing that you can do is uh, help people to organize. And uh, because really we, we, we do have strength in numbers and we can show the realities that we show in studies if we, if we do it together. Right, right. Ugh, that's phenomenal. And I know that, you know, Women in Orthopedics Worldwide was, you know, uh, just founded within the past few years, but I was hoping you can talk about some of the goals and future projects for this organization moving forward. Yeah, so uh, one of the, the things that we did, we, although we are like uh, uh, over 40 countries, we were able together with especially IOTA, it's been very helpful. Um, we were able to gather numbers, uh, the most current numbers in women in orthopedics in, uh, in the whole world. And we did wow. a map. Um, and what I would like to do with, with WOW is try to gather ourselves uh, like the, the responsible for women in orthopedics, um, societies, associations, because you have multiple types of associations. You have women that are only like a WhatsApp group, a messaging group, a Facebook group, and you have Ruth Jackson and a mob with bylaws and, and missions mm -hmm. and clear missions. But we organize in different ways, but still those women are discussing their problems. So what I, I, I would like for a while to do is to, uh, to have meetings at least like at least twice a year and uh, mm -hmm. to show the world, this is our, the, those are the, the problems that we think are still there. Those are the most current numbers and, and uh, to continue to do what we're doing with uh, symposiums and talks with women from different countries with uh, different uh, ideas and, uh, and um, types of solutions that you can, and you can encounter because you, you, you need to have that because it's not just one solution to one country. How women are recruited, it changes from country to country. How women get yeah. into residency. In Brazil, it's mostly uh, women do a test. So it doesn't really matter if you're a man or a woman, but it does yeah. matter the culture because you get a lot, a lot of attendees saying you're not fit to do orthopedic surgery. So they just won't take a test. It's not a problem with the interview. It's a problem mm. with incentive of going into the profession. Uh, but then you have problems with interviews that are inappropriate in different countries uh, and parental leave and etc. So showing how uh, one can do different things in different ways in the world, you can learn from each other. Like, why can't you have five weeks of vacation or... <laughs> one year parental leave that you can share with with your partner you know right. like it works here in sweden why not so mm -hmm. you start to to see that you can do things in different ways and learn how it may work a little bit better for you and your country and your and your 
colleagues and peers. So um, try to organize and try to show the actual numbers and uh, the, the, the current problems and, and, and propose solutions. Yeah. Ugh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Demados. I was hoping, you know, we've talked a lot about all of the organizations that you've literally founded. And I was hoping that we could actually talk about your own goals um, and projects that you're looking forward to clinically research as well as your work with various organizations. Well, um, right now I want to start my PhD, my own PhD. Oh, <laughs> wow. Congratulations. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm starting to do my project, uh, like a very, very early draft and see if I send it. Um, I just got, um, uh, Cecilia Rockmata. So she's, she's really great. And I think she's going to be my, um, uh, they say handledare på svenska, the uh, my mentor. Um, right. And, but yeah, I want to do that. I am planning on doing uh, in here in Sweden. We have all sorts of registries, mm-hmm. so it's very very organized. So so I I want to see to recreate uh, some uh, previous. Uh, um, research uh, projects on showing using the registry, the cancer registry to show the cancer in orthopedic surgeons, uh, breast cancer in female orthopedic surgeons and, Mm -hmm. and doing my PhD a little bit of that, uh, trying to, uh, talk about, uh, cancer and also try to talk about women in ortho. So blending those uh, two worlds uh, together and still I, I, even though I worked in uh, several countries, I still have uh, I still have a lot to learn and to uh, improve in my mm-hmm. practice. So I'm still I'm looking forward to getting uh, gray hairs and <laughs> and more wisdom. <laughs> right, uh, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Dematos, I know it's it's late your time because we're you know you are in Sweden right now, and here I am on the East Coast, but. I was hoping we can go into our final segment, which is the final five, which are the same five questions I ask every guest on the She Can Fix It podcast. So my first final five question for you is what is your favorite procedure to perform and why? So I love a good, a very good curatage and cementing and argon bean like right um, yeah it, it's a maybe like a little glorified uh uh a, a glorified dentist <laughs> as my my mentor at uh uh Washington hospital center used to say i don't know it's a the cleaning of a tumor and filling mm-hmm. it and killing with argon bean and filling it with the cement it's very satisfying um, nice. it's not that it's not the type of procedure that we do all the time, but, um, it's, it's usually very fun and, uh, it's, uh, oh, I like to do it, but yeah, of course, uh, as a orthopedic oncology, we operate the whole body and it's always cool to see the anatomy and create, um, different types of strategies to, to operate different types of things. So, but yeah curating and cementing 
I like it. (laughs) Awesome. What are your go-to topics for Grand Rounds presentations or presentations in general? Uh, Well, right now, uh, I talk a lot about uh, women in ortho. uh, Mm -hmm. But as uh, I had my background with uh, both uh, PEDS, uh, ortho, and also orthopedic oncology, I get called uh, to to talk about... um, tumors in children so both benign and malignant yeah nice nice what is your favorite story slash memory as an orthopedic surgeon well uh, there's so many different stories um it's it's hard to to pinpoint just one but uh you know being an orthopedic oncologist that there's uh there are bad outcomes, but every time that you say to a patient, you, you know, we took the whole tumor out and the pathologist right. has just confirmed that it's uh, completely gone and you're free from disease. It's always something that makes me continue. Um, even if it's uh, something that it's benign or malignant, uh, the, the, the impact that you have in those patients uh, is so big um Mm -hmm. it continues to give me smiles every time that i you know call someone and say the biopsy shows that it's nothing that is malignant or you know we did uh, we did the surgery and now the pathologist says you're completely free of uh, disease this is something that uh yeah really keeps me going yeah, it's special. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, life in the hospital and those sorts of things, but I was hoping you can describe what your favorite activities are outside of the operating room and outside of medicine. Mm, I love to bike. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So, so that was also a very positive point of uh, moving to Sweden because they <laughs> bike a lot in here. So it's normal for me and my husband to have seven bikes so (laughs) we have bikes for different types of things so we have like a cargo bike we have gravel bikes we have mountain bikes we have road bikes um so we we really like to bike and uh in different ways and i love to cook as well um i'm a vegan and i love to cook vegan food and go to vegan uh, restaurants and oh Aww. nice <laughs> seven that's a new one seven bikes is is very impressive yeah. <laughs> um, my final question for you dr Demados, is what advice do you have for orthopedic surgeons and orthopedic surgeons in training well um for in training of course uh, it's obvious uh, study hard be prepared to your cases um and to everybody be true to yourself and Mm -hmm. and listen listen to yourself and know what you really want and try everything and like my mom always liked to say to me you always have the no but you need to look for the yeses. So it's okay for you to get a no. You already have that if you don't try it. So right. don't be afraid to to network, to go to uh, a meeting and try to talk to someone that you think um, can have a positive uh, impact in your career or in your life. And send that email, you know, to tell someone that... Uh, 
you really like their work or what they do mm -hmm. or they are an inspiration for you because um, usually you get positive things in uh, uh, you get positive things back so don't be afraid to do that and uh, and, and and be nice to be nice to everybody and try to help as much as you can. I think that's what I would like to say yeah. to everybody. That's amazing. Dr. Damatos, thank you so much for joining us on the She Can Fix a Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure just hearing your story and hearing everything that you've done. And I sincerely wish you the best of luck with everything that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much, Elena. It was great. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the She Can Fix It podcast with Dr. Camila DeMatos. Please subscribe to our podcast to show your support. Another way you can provide support and keep this podcast up and running is to donate. You can visit our website at www.shecanfixitpod.com and visit our donation page. I want to take this time to thank my editor and co-producer, Andrea Munger, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so much for listening and please stay safe. <music>